ask you, if you will, let's stand together as we read God's Word. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13. We do thank the Lord for His blessings and blessing of life and be able to be redeemed through the blood of Christ. And we thank Him for the Word that we share and the Word that saturates our heart and mind. And so let's continue to give thanks. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Through Him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Father, we ask that you would bless the reading today. Father, help us to continue to give praise, not just a moment in a time of, of worship, Lord, but through the duration of our lives, Lord, and then to help us to bless others as we, as we have been blessed. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So thank you for sharing those moments of thanks for us to enjoy and to be edified through that. And God has called us together as His church to do such things, to edify one another and to help build up one another. The book of Hebrews that we are looking at today kind of demonstrates that it sets a bit of a, a framework in the benediction or the ending of the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews has an author that only the Lord in heaven knows. It might be one of those things when we get to heaven, we might say, we're going to find out who wrote the book of Hebrews. And many have speculated who the author might be. But the important point about the book of Hebrews is not necessarily the author, but the authorial intent and then the content that is within the book. If I was to lay out Hebrews, the book of Hebrews before you, the one mainstay, the one main thing in Hebrews is the supremacy of Christ as elevated, elevated above any other person in history. The supremacy of Christ. In fact, this cloud of witnesses that are referred to is but a speck compared to the beauty the work and the character of Jesus. Even with all the people in the Bible, even with people in history, with all the people who help us get a glimpse of the goodness of God, you think of any biblical character, any, any, any person in the narrative of Scripture that we say there's a good attribute about them that's good for us to follow or exemplary for us. Even, even in all the glimpses of goodness that we see, Jesus still shines supreme. He is still that supreme example of goodness above all else. So I'll ask you, if you will, let's look at verse 12. Just flip back one page. And by, and by the way, this word might give you a hint as to who I, who myself thinks authors the book of Hebrews based upon its argumentation and the usage of, of, of formal argumentation. But I digress. Verse, 12, uh, verse 1, chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross, he clung to the cross, his passion was the cross, despising the shame, and now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember last week I preached on finishing well and how to finish well and, and hearing thy good and thy faithful servant enter in. You've been faithful over a few things. Looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. If there's one thing that I learned working through the Torah, working through Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the one thing that kind of sticks to the ribs of our, of our biblical intake is I thank God for Jesus. I thank God that we don't have to go to a high priest to offer sacrifices and that we can go to our one high priest, that is Christ. And by the time we get to the portion of our main reading for today in Hebrews chapter 13, the author is closing in on his benediction or his final remarks. It is in these final remarks that I want us to draw strength and I want us to draw encouragement. In a sermon I've entitled, Continue to Give Thanks. So if I was to challenge you on thinking biblically and thinking Christocentrically, thinking on Christ, I would say in verse 15 that our existence is through Him. Our very existence is through Jesus Christ. Who we are is because of who He is. Verse 15, through Him let us, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge His name. When there's times when we just don't feel like doing anything. We don't feel like being around other people. We don't feel like getting up and getting dressed to come to church or to worship. And yet we do so and we praise God and we stand and we give thanks. You might not have even felt like getting up this morning, but you've done so. Up until this point, the author, we'll say the author, is setting forth some challenges for the church that I think are helpful. He is writing to Jewish Christians in Rome who are undergoing severe persecution. And some of them have considered reverting to Judaism. They have considered leaving or abandoning the way. They have considered abandoning following Jesus. And the author is encouraging them to keep the faith. We find this in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 all the way through Chapter 6 and verse 8. He's encouraging them, keep the faith. This would have demonstrated, by them leaving the faith, this would have demonstrated if they were truly in Christ to begin with. Now we find the author gives these words of exhortation and admonition, which means lifting up Jesus and then giving some rebuke where we need it that they would stay the course to continue to thank God for the highs and lows in life. The author here exhorts Jesus 
as the author and the finisher of our faith. He is our strength when we are shaken. Have you ever, have you ever been shaken to your core? Has life seemed like it has shaken you to your very core? When you are weary, when you can't press on, have you ever been there? Have it, has it ever felt like you just want to roll over and give up for the day? The author is encouraging you that Christ is our all in all and in Him we find our very existence. The strength to press on in Jesus' name. It is through Jesus and not human trials. It is not through Jewish traditions. It is not through Jewish laws. It is not through persecution that they find their faith. And same with us. It is not through our traditions, our works. It is not through our laws. It is not through our bylaws. It's not through our constitution of bylaws. It's not through our policies and procedures, our, our human resources manual. It's not through those things that we find our strength as a church. It is through Him, that is, Jesus, who is our priest, and He is our sacrifice, and He is our only efficient and sufficient one at that. It is not through these things that we find our strength. And so when the author was penning Hebrews, and not only through Hebrews, but through other places where there is a letter received through the churches, there's Judaizers, kind of on the outskirts. And these are people who would try to mix the law in with God's grace. One of the highlights, if you would call it a highlight, would be the act of circumcision, pressed upon the Gentile people. There was things that Judaizers would try to force into the grace of God. The Judaizers would approach God through sacrifice and laws. But now all of that is complete in Christ. All of that is finished. There is no need to stand knee-deep in the morning blood sacrifices. There is no need to follow the civil or ceremonial laws that existed as we read through the book of the, of the law, the Torah. As we read through all of that and the ceremonial laws and the civil laws that God's moral law is finished and seen through the work of Christ. It is for through Christ we are reborn. And now, because of the Holy Spirit, we don't need the civil law or the ceremonial law. It is through Christ. It is through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit drives our civility. It drives our civility. And, it, and He drives our holiness. He drives our civility. And He drives our holiness. We will love our neighbor as ourselves. We will worship the Lord God with all that we have. And so, let us offer up a sacrifice of constant praise to Jesus for His work on the cross, through the empty tomb, and through His nature and because of His nature. Let us strive, I would even say, to outdo the angels of heaven who continually sing this crescendo of of praise, holy, holier, holiest is the Lord God, almighty, night and day and continual loop. In, in fact, the construction of this sentence, I think some translations get it, get it right in this, but it denotes a constant given of praise to always bring God a sacrifice of praise. Always bring God a sacrifice 
of praise. Now, what is interesting about these offerings brought by the Hebrews, if you remember working through Leviticus, if you remember working through Numbers and Deuteronomy, if you remember uh, the, the Hebrews had what were called peace offerings, or you might call them friendship offerings. These were offerings that were designed not to produce peace or friendship with God, but they were designed to maintain friendship or peace with God, to maintain that peace. So now, through Him, that is the Son of God, we now find peace with God that we once could not have. Through Him, perpetual peace by the Prince of Peace. It is not the things that we bring. It's not the work that we do. There's no amount of giving that will ever appease God's standard of, of holiness. In fact, it becomes a stink in the nostrils of God when we bring things that are not brought through Christ. When we offer something to God that is by the work of our hands and not offered through, through the Son of God, it is offered through our own self-righteousness. It becomes a sink in the nostrils of God. Israel was condemned for this in Isaiah 64 and verse 6. It says, but we are all an unclean thing. We are broken. We are fallen. We are broken people. And our righteousness, they are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like wind have taken us away. Now here are people in exile or about to go in exile and they are reminded God is about to bring judgment on these people or they are in judgment. And all of their bringing of sacrifices to God they brought their sacrifices to the Lord. They brought their burnt offerings, but it was done in a self-righteous way. And the Lord said, these offerings stink. Instead of the filthy rags and the smell of self-righteous works, those in Christ have the sweet fragrance of His work. We offer the sacrifice of praise through the lips which is reminiscent of Isaiah 57, verse 19, that says, creating the fruit of the lips, saying, Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. Terry talked about the ultimate healing, which is coming face to face with Jesus. The ultimate healing, the consummation of your life, would be that one day you would see Christ. The ultimate healing is that by His stripes we are healed, our sins. He has taken our sins upon Himself. We acknowledge His name, we acknowledge His great work, we give a sacrifice to God, a sacrifice of praise, and praise is now one of the greatest functions of the redeemed. Praise is one of the greatest function of the redeemed and we will be employed in that praise forever. Some would say that's our job, but that is our pleasure to praise Him forever. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of, of the Lord as we did so today. And sometimes we, we might not even feel like waking up and coming to church and to worship, but we are encouraged to push through, and the worship of Jesus is a way of life. It's not a schedule 
it's not a particular scheduled time, although we meet at 10 o'clock here on a Sunday morning, worship to Jesus is a way of life. It becomes who we are, becomes our identity. It, it, and through Him, we give worship, we give praise, and we give adoration. It's not just a scheduled portion of, of our day, of our week. It's continual. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once wrote this, this, this of praise. He said, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Do you not see the force of the argument? Practically obey it. And here's the scenario. Beside the altar, we have a high priest who is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Shall he stand there and have nothing to do? And have nothing to do? What would you think of our great high priest waiting at the altar with nothing to present which his redeemed have brought to God? Does Jesus have nothing brought to Him by us, by the fruit of our lips, by the praise that we give? Is He standing receiving nothing from us? No. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of God, of praise to God continually. Bring hither abundantly, ye people of God, your praises, your prayers, your thanksgiving, and present them to the ever-blessed. And then, in verse 16, we are blessed to bless others. We are blessed to bless others. Verse 16 says, And do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It is because our existence is through Jesus that we do not neglect to do good and to share with others what we have. In fact, I would think if we are loving the Lord with all that we have, a heart, mind, soul, and body, it is part of the overflow of who we are to do good to others and to go on mission and to do good to others and to tell others about Jesus and to work with our hands and to do good for the, for the cause of Christ and to bless others. We, God doesn't bless us so we can sit at home and accumulate goods and do nothing with them. God has blessed us to bless others as well. You know the worst reputation? The worst reputation that a body of believers can ever hold is one of inward focus. Of inward focus. What a detriment to kingdom work to be mostly focused on what goes on within these walls. The exhortation is to share what you have. Be not forgetful of doing good and communicating the goodness of God as we do it. So that reminds us, not only, do we, not only do we go and do good for others, but we tell others why we do the good work. The one and only true acceptable sacrifice, of course, for sin was offered up. The once and only sacrifice of Jesus, but he sacrificed his life for our sin and because of that, we ought to lay down some sacrifices in our life. Share and bless others when you can in the name of, of Jesus with a clean and pure motive, meaning that my motive for doing good for others is so that Jesus would be glorified and God would be pleased. The idea of sacrifice is almost a, it's a foreign concept for many of us. Sacrificial giving is a foreign concept. You want to know why? Because we have been blessed with so much. 
And for many of us to sacrificially give means we have to reach way, way, way down places where we've never reached before. So it's a foreign concept for many of us to sacrificial giving. We have been blessed beyond measure to reach down towards sacrificial giving means we've got to reach way, way down. During a discussion a certain church, uh, the question of the duty of, of giving come up. Now, this isn't a sermon on, on tithing and offering. It's not that. There was a brother in the church who was known for giving above and beyond in his tithes and his offerings. Some, a member came up and they asked him, he said, well, what part of your income do you designate to the, to the Lord's work? What part of your income? It's kind of a personal question, but they just wanted to know. He's a very generous giver, very generous person. He said, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I kind of do. Uh, he, he recalled a, a woman in his life, a, a, a saint of the Lord, who was known for making her, her pecan pies. Because she was known for delicious pecan pies. And by the way, that is one of my favorite pies in all the world is a pecan pie. So he reflected on this dear saint of the Lord and how she would make her, her most famous pecan pies. He said, well, I know for a fact that she puts as much sugar as her conscience would allow. And then she shuts her eyes and she puts in a handful more. I would like to get that recipe, by the way. He says, I gave all, my, all that my conscience will allow. I give all that my conscience would, would approve of. And then I add a handful without counting. We commend this way of giving to those who believe that he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Not, not by receiving money in return but by being able to do good for others in the name of Jesus. Many men seem afraid of giving too much. Should I give my tithe? How much of my tithe should I, should I give? Do I go above and beyond? Is that before or after taxes? <laughs> but among all the failures in business, all the failures of people who give towards kingdom work. I have never ever heard, maybe it exists somewhere, but I have never heard of an instance where the man or woman has come to ruin by giving of himself above and beyond by giving to the poor or for the cause of Christ. I've never heard anyone say, well, that was all the tithe I can give. Boy, that hurt me today. I gave all that I could give of my time or my talent, and I give it all to the Lord. That has ruined me today. I've never heard anyone who gave above and beyond with the right motive. I've never heard anyone ever say, I'm ruined because of this. I want to leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul in closing. This is the, word of the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Thessalonica. And and I have preached on this before, and there's this rapid succession of imperatives or commands. But I want to leave you with these words, and then I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to pray. It's going to be continue to give, dot, dot, 
God. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together.